this evening. I know Bart would appreciate it. <laughs> See, we began with uh, what we would say a real event that happened, and from it we can make some applications. The first time this event took place, it took place on the 4th of July in 1951. A lady by the name of Florence Chadwick, who was known then as an Olympic swimmer, attempted to swim from Catalina Island back to the shores of California. The challenge to her was not so much the distance as it was the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific Ocean. And each minute she spent in those icy waters was an achievement, simply what we would call in perseverance. She was, as she swam, she was able to continue to do so because she knew the land wasn't but so far, far away or so many miles further out to the coast of California. But in making that first attempt, the challenge for her began when a dense fog rolled over that area and made it impossible for her to continue seeing land as she swam forward. Within a half a mile of her goal, she quit. Basically saying she couldn't see land, she gave up and said, that's it, I'm not going to go any further. When you think about that for a moment, that sounds like life itself. There are times in our mind we've got great goals planned we got things that we want to do, and we in our mind we got everything laid out, planned out. We may be written down a, on a sheet of paper things we want to accomplish, and we start through that. And we get partway through it, and we realize either it's too difficult, or we've made it too difficult for ourselves to achieve, or we realize, wait a minute, this has been a waste of time, and we just quit and go no further. That's the way we sometimes look at life. When we look at her for a moment, realize she was not just swimming. She was swimming to reach a goal called land, the coast of California. That was her goal. She gave up when she couldn't find it. But the good news out of this is she tried again, a second attempt to do the very same thing from Catalina Island back to the coast of California. Again, the fog rolled in. But this time, she did not give up. She knew and realized now even through the fog, the land was still there. It hadn't moved. Her goal of reaching the coast of California was still within reach. This time, she made it. And if you remember reading back in those days, she broke the men's records by two hours. So she did do a great accomplishment the second time when she had tried to achieve it. Let's take that moment, for that for a moment, and look at four verses of Scripture that apply to this. Those four Scriptures are found in Hebrews chapter 12, and it is the first four verses of that chapter. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 
in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. From this text, you see we want to look at three things that come from this text. The first thing we find in the very first verse, and that's simply this, that perseverance is demanded. Notice it says, perseverance is demanded. In the very first verse, we read, we read of a word called endurance. It's telling us there that we are demanded to run this Christian race, as it, using the illustration of Olympic race, it is to be run with endurance or perseverance. And from our childhood, we have heard all kinds of story of endurance and perseverance. We all remember the story of the little engine that could. We're also reminded of the story of the rabbit and the turtle. <laughs> we know who won that race. Because all of these little stories, though they were taught, they were taught to children to remind them that we've got to keep on going, that we can achieve things in life, we can do what we want to do if we persevere and endure. When we look at our classes at school, have we, did we not learn of different kinds of individuals where they were intellectual type, who invented great things, or an athlete or someone else, who accomplished that which they wanted to do, because history, as we look back, tells us these people accomplished what they wanted because they were persistent. They did not give up when the going got hard for them and accomplished the things they wanted to do. So we learn then at times, it's not always the most intelligent. It's not always the most athletic. Or any of those things like that, that gets things accomplished in life. It is those who will not give up. Who will not quit in the middle of that race of getting something accomplished. Is that not also true for our spiritual lives? That we are to be enduring and persevering in our Christian living? Is it not one of those great qualities that any of us can possess? It's not hard to possess these things. It's not impossible to have them. Yet at times we find ourselves looking at our lives and realizing those things are simply missing, even though it is demanded. As I said, we already know perseverance is demanded of us. It's written within Scripture. We're going to look at the fact in a moment perseverance is developed within us. We absorb Scripture and it's also been demonstrated to us when we apply it. Like all knowledge, we need to learn to acquire it, absorb it, and apply it if we want to be successful. Let's look at these two words called endurance and perseverance. Endurance, we would almost look at it being a passive virtue. It's like this. It is like a ship that is anchored during a storm. The storm blows its hardest against that ship. It rocks it back and forth, yet it remains where it has been anchored. It does not let the wind drive it away. That's being enduring. Sometimes it's like life is a child of God. There are times when we look at what's going on around us, the best that we can do for the moment to survive what's being hurled against us is batten down the hatches and hang on to whatever storm of life hurled against us passes through and we have, been, we have gotten through it because we endured during that time. Perseverance is more active. Perseverance this time is the ship, but this time that ship is sailing in spite of the storm. It may be under attack by the same winds and the same waves, but it presses on to its destination despite 
the obstacles that it may face. That is what our Savior wanted us to have. And that's what our Savior demonstrated to us. When you look at His life as we go deeper in a moment, He just just didn't endure the cross. He persevered because of the joy, the reward, and the destination that laid ahead. What He wants us to understand is this. This Christian life, it's not a short dash to a, to a certain spot and says, Oh, look here, I've been there and done that. It is a lifelong race that we run until the day we die. That's why it's demanded of us. And there's times when it takes every ounce of strength. There's times when the winds of life blow and we're trying very hard to try to move forward in spite of what's going on in our lives, but we keep on doing so because we take the strength that we have within ourselves and continue to move forward through the storms of life. Why? Because we have committed ourselves to living this life as a child of God. We've committed ourselves to running this race. For us, there is no quitting. For us, there is no going back. We are always pressing forward. There are going to be trials. There are going to be temptations. And and they're going to be as difficult as the icy waters was for Florence Chadwick. But we will persevere. Why? Because it is demanded. The next thing these verses teaches us about perseverance, it is the fact that it is demonstrated. What does verse 2 say? Verse 2 says, Jesus endured the cross. Endured the cross. We all know as history teaches us that the cross has become probably the most cruel form of death that we know of. If you read history, you find at times the people hung on the cross for days before they finally from exhaustion and lack of being able to breathe when being sunk down, finally died. It's a horrible form of death. Yet it tells us in the Scriptures here by the Hebrew writer that Jesus endured that cross in spite of all of its shame that was held against it by those who were put to death by that means as being thieves or criminals. In spite of all the shame and the suffering that was with it, That was his endurance and perseverance test. But notice something that is important. He just didn't endure the cross. He endured it who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Notice the joy that was before him was his goal. That was his coastline. What was the joy? The joy of bringing to every human being the joy of salvation through that blood that He would shed, through that blood that was poured out on Calvary. There is what His joy was to bring salvation to the world. He endured all of that for that joy. Knowing when He said it is finished, He had accomplished that what had been prophesied for all the centuries prior now had become a reality. The salvation that God had promised had now become a reality. Why? Because the joy that was set before the Son of God to endure that six hours on that cross and die for our sins. 
That's what he, that's the reason why he pressed forward. That is the reason why he didn't quit in the middle. He endured to the end because of the joy and he stayed focused to see that it was accomplished. We then we must ask ourselves, what is our goal as we run the Christian race? What is our coastline, in other words? What is it? What is it the goal that we are reaching out forward to as we move forward in this race with perseverance and, and endurance? What is it that we're reaching for? The Hebrew writer just told you, looking unto Jesus, what is it? The founder or author and perfecter of our faith. With our eyes on the Son of God and keeping our eyes always upon Him. The Hebrew writer says then we run that race with perseverance. We run that race with the endurance that is set before us. And when we find ourselves at time being weary, when we find ourselves at time being faint, we remind ourselves as we struggle to remember one thing. When he tells us to consider him who endured. Considered him who endured. What is he saying? If Christ can do it, so can we. That's what the Hebrew writer is simply saying. If he can do it, so can we. So we've learned it's demanded and it is demonstrated. But now we must look at the fact that it is doable. There are some very powerful lessons that we must learn from this text before us by the Hebrew writer. Paul reminds us in Galatians 10 as he challenges Christians not to grow weary in doing that which is good. As he realized as humans, he knows that we are, that we are, because we are humans, we're going to fail at times, but he says, here is our goal. Here is our purpose. Do not grow weary in doing that which is good for the cause of Christ. Always remember, if he could do it, so can we. He is also the same apostle in the book of Philippians reminds us that we're doing another thing. Not only is that we are, you know, enduring, remain faithful, do not grow weary. But he said to keep ourselves focused upon whom? The prize, the goal, that which we want at the end. Keeping our eyes always, keeping our mind always focused on that goal. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that goal of hearing well done when life is over. So the Apostle Paul in two different places gives us some wonderful what we call advice or encouragement. Not to go weary, but always keep in mind what the goal is as we move forward as a child of God. And we remind, these are reminding us of this. Don't stop that we're that close to the goal. Don't stop when you're only a half a mile away from the end. Don't just quit right then and turn around and say, I can't make it. The challenge from the Apostle Paul and this Hebrew writer is, don't quit when we're that close to the end. Never allow ourselves to be sidetracked. Never allow sin to grab a hold of us and pull us away. Keep our eyes focused on the goal. Because this perseverance, that is what we call doable, 
is needed during what we call the trials of our life. We all know and understand that there are times in our lives when trials and tribulations and sickness come upon us. It makes it, it for the moment very hard and very difficult as it were to continue to be active for the Lord. You find yourself when you look around with an extended illness that seems to keep you down for such a long period of time that you find yourself realizing, I can't do no more. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I'm hurting too bad. The sickness is overcoming me. I'm having a hard time. And the grip of loss of loved ones that also can almost keep you from going forward because you focused upon that for a moment. You see, in the moment, we're like Florence Chadwick. We can find ourselves on those icy waters of pain and suffering. And at times it can be almost more than we can ever endure. Then it makes us ask, where's God? Has He forgotten me? Where's God? Has He left me behind? Has He forgotten about Is He not hearing me? It is those times that more than any other, we must keep ourselves focused on the shoreline. We must keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. But the problem is, too many times when this happens to lives of fellow Christians, too many times when uh, death or sickness overtakes them, they just simply quit. It becomes their excuse, if you please, for giving up. Giving excuse saying, I cannot go any further. There's not any more than I can ever possibly do. When the real reason is, is a failure to keep our focus upon Jesus Christ. Matthew 14, there is an event told there. And when we talk about the event, I'm going to begin by asking this question. Did did Peter walk on the water? The answer is yes. Peter did walk on the water. What caused him to start sinking? He took his eyes off the Son of God. It's just that plain. He took his eyes off the Son of God. And when he did, he began to sink. When we look at that real life incident in a human being that we can truly say did walk on water, Is that not what happens to us at times? That we're walking, as it were, this pathway that leads to heaven. We're focusing upon the Son of God. We're walking with Him every day. We're asking for constant strength, help, and guidance. You see, we walk on the face here. We're praying to Him to help us get through every day. And then we let something around us happen that causes us to quit looking at Him and to begin focusing on what's wrong, and we take our eyes off of Him, and we begin to sink. Just like Peter did for real. In spite of all our troubles and trials that we face in life, we can still serve God. A preacher friend of mine years ago put it this way, trying to help some 
brethren and sister at the congregation he was at to continue going onward when they were getting older and getting sick. He, asked, he reminded them of something that they needed to know. He said, do you know that you can still work for God even though you're bedridden for a moment of time because of an illness, maybe in a car accident or whatever it may be that's caused you to be bedridden? You can still serve God? He wanted them to understand that just because they were bedridden, that didn't mean they needed to just quit and say, Lord, let me have a pass for the moment till I get better and once I do, I'll start working for you again. He says, no, you can do it even there. He reminded them again, you can even work for God even if you're bound to a wheelchair or you're having to live in a nursing home for a long period of time or a hospital room for a period of time. He said, just because you're kind of out of the normal walk of life doesn't mean that you need to sit on the sidelines and say, wait, Lord, when I, get to, when I get better now, don't don't forget me. When I get better, I'll be back for you again. He says, he reminds his congregation, you can still do it even when you are there. He reminded him, you can still pray for others. Even though you're not able to attend because you are sick or in the hospital or whatever, you can still pray for others. He said, let me remind you of this, as he was trying to put it. The Lord will still hear you, whether you're in the auditorium praying, or in a hospital room, a nursing home, or in your own bed at the house. God will still hear you if you'll pray to Him. He was trying to get his brethren to understand the lesson of Peter. Don't take your eyes off the Son of God no matter what. But when you do, you're going to start sinking. That's what he wanted them to understand. You will sink if you take your eyes off of him. But one thing is for sure. Perseverance is needed even more in the times of temptation than it is even in the times of trial. There are a lot of things out there tempting us to pull us away from God. Satan doesn't give up once we become a child of God. He redoubles his efforts and goes after you even more because he wants you back. He wants to take you away from God and laugh at God and says, I took another one. They've, you've lost him because I've got him back. He doesn't give up doesn't give up. You remember Florence Chadwick. Not only did she have the problems of the icy waters to contend with, she had to deal with the temptation of quitting and getting back in that boat that was sailing along beside of her to give her any help if it was needed immediately. Why? That boat was comfortable. That boat had food. That boat was warm. You see, it was tempting to simply look at that boat and say, hmm, I'm better off there than I am here. But she persevered because she wouldn't allow that to pull her out of the water and stop her goal of reaching the coast of California. We need to take that and remind ourselves of this. The world, when we're swimming, as it were, as a child of God, we're keeping our eyes focused on God as we swim. Our goal is to looking to, toward Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
we need to be reminded at times that the Satan is sailing along beside us. Wanted us to get out of the waters and get in the boat with him where it's warm and comfortable and everything is great. And I'll have great fun for you. I've got all the joys. I've got all of these things. Get out of the water. Get in the boat. Get out of the water. Get in the boat. You'll be better off here than you will be in the water. The point is this. If we do, if we do, we have then at that moment made ourselves useless. Because we've quit persevering, we've quit enduring, we've taken our eyes off the Son of God, and we begin to sink. Just like Peter really did on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus made the point Himself. And He made it in a way that even today in the 21st century, we understand it. The statement is simple, but it packs a powerful lesson. Luke 9 and verse 62. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. From a human standpoint, or from a farming standpoint, everyone there understood what he meant by physically, if you put your hands to a real plow and look back, what's going to happen? They may have not really grasped the spiritual application of it, but that statement, as simple as it may be, is powerful in what it's trying to get across to us. Once we put our hands to the plow as a child of God, we are not to look back. We are to do what the Hebrew writer reminds us to do, and that is looking to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Someone has described perseverance this way. Someone has described perseverance being an extended version of self-control. They said self-control is a daily exercise, but perseverance is self-control exercised today, tomorrow, the day after, the day after, the day after, and so on. And they are so right. It is a virtue we all can have. It is a virtue that is only demanded, but it is demonstrated and it is doable. This evening, if you're a child of God who have wandered from the truth, who realize even this evening you've taken your eyes off the Son of God, you're no longer looking at to Him, but you're looking at the world around you because you've strayed from the truth, you quit looking unto Jesus, you quit, your focus is no longer upon Him. As a child of God, here's the opportunity to return, to ask God's forgiveness, and He's promised you He will. Ask Him for forgiveness that you quit. Ask Him for strength and guidance and forgiveness to keep your mind always focused upon Him. And don't ever ask Him to help you don't do this again. He'll forgive you. He'll take you back and He'll help you to go forward from this day, from this day on and on and on. But if you're not a child of God here again, everything is ready. 
waiting for you this evening to accept this precious invitation. The Christ who died on that shameful death called crucifixion endured it and endured it. Why? For the joy of bringing salvation to the world. This evening, His blood was shed for you. Come. In faith, believing that He is the Christ, that He died for you. Come repenting of that way you've been living. Come confessing before all He is the Christ. As Paul told us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and to be buried in baptism and raised to walk that new life. From this day forward, your eyes will be focused upon Him. And knowing when you do, from this day forward, you'll be on a pathway that leads you directly to the goal of heaven and not the goal or destination of eternal damnation. Think on that while together we stand and while we sing.